All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine and red and black. It's a mean machine and red and black. What's up, y'all? This is John, and I've got Mike back with me for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Tonight, we are talking about some Georgia baseball, and it's uh, it's not positive this time. Um, very much the opposite this week. Um, we're going to talk about the Jalen Carter pro day, pro day stuff, because... That was just wild. And then uh, and then we're going to finish our pot of gold games for each week of the season. But before we get started, how are you doing and are you drinking anything tonight? Um, I'm doing well. Uh, we had a uh, – in uh, Savannah, we had, get a four-day weekend or we get at least two uh, school days off for St. Patrick's Day. So today was the last day of that. I had a mini break and then we have spring break in a week and a half or so. But um, I actually am drinking. So Jen got me for my birthday, I go just a stash of a bunch of different like liquors and stuff like that. So I'm working on a old smoky that I've been doing all day. So I'm toward the tail end of that. So I'll be mixing that in with some water. There you go. Also, happy late birthday. I know we I know we hung out on Friday night, but for all the listeners, I'll go ahead and say it for you. Happy late birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um I may have actually drank some of this on the show before, but I am drinking a Knob Creek single barrel rye. It is 115 proof, picked out or picked out by my friends out over at BS and Bourbon, who are now at Oak and Thieves. Um, but I don't know if you can see it. The sticker says "Now and Later," mm-hmm. and it is yeah. the sweetest, most candy tasting rye whiskey I have ever had and i am sad that i am on the bottom half of this bottle so Mm. shout out to james and bob for picking this because it is probably my favorite rye i've ever had and i'm almost done with it bittersweet bittersweet mostly sweet sweet. it's true um so now now we're gonna talk about the downers And that is Georgia's, the Diamond Dogs' performance against the South Carolina Gamecocks this past weekend. It was a three-game series. Um, Weather turned it into a doubleheader on Saturday and then one on Sunday. And if you don't know, the game on, first game on Saturday, Georgia was leading 4-3 going into the bottom of the, or the top of the ninth. Um, two outs, two on, and then allowed a two-run double to right field. 
to make it a 5-4 game. And then Georgia did not produce in the bottom of the ninth and ended up losing that one in a 5-4. Jaden Woods pitched really well for his his part of that game. I want to say it was 2-4 or maybe 2-3 when he came out of that game, giving up two runs, um, which is kind of about his average. But South Carolina, to be completely honest and fair with you guys, leads the entire country in home runs throughout this season. So it's hard to keep these guys from scoring. You just kind of have to outscore them. And Georgia was not able to do that on any game this weekend, but especially that first game on Saturday. Kind of disappointing because Jaden Woods has, after that first game he played this year, really turned it around and become the pitcher that I thought he could be. Um, and then Liam Sullivan, who had an ERA of 0.44 going into the second game on Saturday, had potentially the worst game of his Georgia career this far. And it his so just just to put it in perspective, pregame 0.44 ERA, right? Mm. He came out of that game in the fourth or fifth inning with a 2.28 ERA for the season. <laughs> Jesus. And that is through 23 and two-thirds innings. So in four innings, he went from 0.44 to a 2.28. Georgia ended up losing that one 12-2 to two after getting two runs in either the first or second inning and leading that game for a while there. And then the Sunday game, Georgia got run-ruled in an ugly, ugly game. It was was tough. And just – so obviously I've talked about in the show before preseason, every time we've talked about baseball, the two starters are good. The problem Mm -hmm. is you typically play four games a week. So those other two, not great. And as of right now, being Monday, March 20th, Georgia has one, two, three, four, five, six pitchers with an over 10 ERA. Three others, three others with over a 7.7 ERA. There are only four pitchers on the staff with less than three. That's not winning baseball. No. No. And I, you know, I have always tried to give Strickland the benefit of the doubt, but I will go ahead and say it after this first SEC series. I've... If he's not on the hot seat, they should be starting the fire to make it hot. Mm-hmm. He's been here for 10 years. They've made it to a, a few super regionals, never won it. Yeah. I got it pulled. <clears throat> I got it pulled up right here. Um, so 2013 was his first year, didn't make the postseason. 2014, 15, 16, 17, didn't make the postseason. 18 uh was a, re- a regional finalist. They went 
18 and 12 in the SEC, 39 and 21 overall. 2019 was his best year, uh, 21 and 9 in the SEC, 46 and 17 overall, uh, re, uh, Athens regional finalists. Uh, 2020, obviously, you know, got canceled. 21, didn't make the postseason below 500 in the SEC play. 22, um, went to the Chapel Hill regional, got eliminated there, 15 to 15 uh, in the SEC. And just overall, in uh, his time at UGA, he's, uh, this may be, a few games off at this point. So I don't know how often the UGA website uh, updates his uh, his coaching record, but at UGA he's 270, 209 and one, which not not great. Not no. for not for where you think that Georgia should be as far as the baseball program. And so once again, you guys know I, I try to be as intellectually honest as possible. That 2020 team, Georgia started the season in the top five, had five pitchers who are now in the major leagues or in AAA as starters. Georgia was one of the favorites to win it all in 2020. Obviously, that got taken away. All those guys that were, you know, top round MLB talent left and uh and the program just hasn't really recovered which which sucks especially considering you know going back over to the batting side of it Georgia Charlie Condon 514 average Connor Tate 462 uh Mason LaPlante transfer 338 Parks Harbor 316 Corey Collins 292 I mean you have some phenomenal batters mm-hmm. and you you just you can't figure it out on the pitching mound right now and it's quite literally killing this team i mean last season and this season you've got in college baseball scoring five runs or more should win you games and last season georgia lost multiple games getting double digit runs mm-hmm. I, it's not acceptable, and as of right now, I mean, I'll pull it up. Um, I'll pull up the recruiting and see and see where see where they're at. But it it doesn't look it doesn't look yeah, well, promising. Yeah, like while you're while you're looking at that, I, and for as much like major league talent that comes out of the state, like there's realistically there's no excuse for this program to be where they're at. Obviously, the SEC is the best uh, baseball uh, college baseball league uh, out there. I mean, considering just looking at the top twenty five, you got you know what seven eight teams consistently in the top twenty five. Um, there's no reason that they should be as inconsistent or below average as they have been under uh, Strickland's tenure. Or in Strickland Center. Georgia is currently 19th in recruiting for yeah. for um, the class of 2020, 2023 baseball recruiting. I mean, 16 players, only two of those in the top 100. Um, let me see if I can just, out of curiosity, see how many pitchers there are because that's really – Really, what we're looking at here, we got 
nine of the 16 guys are pitchers, which is hopefully a good thing. But none of them, none of them are all that highly rated. I mean, you got one guy in the top 100 that is a pitcher that's committed to this year's class. And I hope I'm wrong. I This is one of those times where I really, truly hope that I am wrong and they can turn it around and figure it out this season. Um, but I am very quickly losing hope for any sort of postseason successful appearance from the Diamond Dogs this season coming almost completely down to the bullpen. All right, so now, now let's talk about Jalen Carter's pro day performance. And this, I, I, you know, I have tried to, I have tried to change my thinking into being an optimism junkie as far as sports go. And if you haven't, if you haven't heard, Jalen Carter essentially didn't weigh in or run a 40. He showed up overweight for what he was, he looked overweight, I should say, at pro day. Mm Um, and he didn't finish all the defensive line drills. I think a big part of it has to do with the legal stuff that's come out. And, um, I really think it took a toll on him going from, you know, a potential number one overall pick, you know, getting over some of his best friends passing away in a car accident to, the entire college sports landscape blaming him for the death of his friends. Mm-hmm. And after, after the legal stuff has come out, he was he wasn't responsible and he was not drunk. There's no evidence of him speeding there. There's no evidence of anything that he was initially accused of, but the court of public opinion at the end of the day matters more in this situation than the court of actual legal battles. And um, I think that took a toll on him, but the optimist junkie in me is, uh, is hoping, and this is a wild, baseless speculation of a hope, that he realized he wasn't going to be one of those top guys drafted after this came out and is hoping to fall to the bottom of the first round to go to an actual contender. Maybe, but the difference between being a top 10 pick and being a late first round pick is like tens of millions of dollars. I don't know if he, he might, he, he maybe he doesn't want the money that bad. I would find that hard to believe, but I hope that's the reason I really do. But what are the chances he gets taken in the top 10 after all that legal stuff has come out and people that don't follow Georgia sports as closely, all they saw is on ESPN, Jalen Carter has an arrest warrant in relation to the car accident that killed people. Yeah. Anytime you look in the comment sections, it's always that, oh, you know, he's responsible for the murders and all that. Like you said, obviously he's not, that's nothing indicates that he is. Um, I'm, I'm still optimistic that he'll go in the top 10. Obviously it's not going to be a number one pick or anything like that. I'm hoping that for our sake, for our two NFL teams, that he doesn't go to the bears because that would suck. 
Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think, but um, I I still think he can. I don't know if like he's going to have uh, another like private workout where there, there'll be scouts there or not or something something else. I'm hoping there's something for him to to like you know get some good uh, good press out there for him and look a little bit better. But I'm hoping that everybody just looks at what he's put on tape the last couple of years and and you know falls in love with the guy that that you know bear hugged and picked up um uh, Jaden Dan- uh, Jalen Daniels with one arm that's what I'm hoping for I'm hoping I see him in Honolulu blue at the six no. pick but we'll see no I'm hoping I'm hoping what a good offseason I've had no no we're not mm-mm. a good offseason where they uh sent a laughable offer to Jamal Williams who's the best running back Detroit's had in decades he, David Montgomery does the same thing though, but <sighs> that's the Jamal bet on himself. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed. I talked to Will about that because he asked me what, um, what they were getting in Jamal. My great short yardage back. He's a great locker room guy and everything, but um, he's a good receiver out of the backfield too. Yeah, great I mean, he's the most reliable too. running back they had. I mean, you know, going back to UGA-related stuff, DeAndre Swift's been a disappointment. Like, when he's healthy, he's been electric, but that is maybe four or five games a year. Yeah, yeah, and and there's no telling what that is. If it's – everyone knows the turf in Detroit is less than hot garbage. It's cold garbage. They are getting new turf, though. Maybe it'll make a difference. I hope it does because there's – there have been numerous ACLs that took their last step on on Ford Field. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that that's kind of where we're at with the Jalen Carter stuff. I hope I hope that if it is something mental and it is it is having this effect on him, even though he knows what happened and how it happened, I hope he gets some sort of help because it's obviously a terrible thing to go through being there when your friends tragically pass away in a car accident. And then months later, when you're about to have the biggest workout of your life, having an arrest warrant with little to no evidence place. I mean, everyone wants to throw it back to that Laramie Tunsil bong picture, but the NFL doesn't even test for marijuana anymore. So like that, nowhere close. That's nowhere close. And he self-negotiated two of the biggest like left tackle contracts ever. So it did not hurt him whatsoever. I mean, initially it did a little bit, but he's fine. He's great. Outside of playing for shitty Houston, like he's good. He's he's good. I mean, he went from Miami and their shit years to Houston and their shit years. So <laughs> I mean, I would do a gravity bong or it as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And you're telling me players in Miami don't do a little bit stronger stuff than weed? Come on now. Yeah, yeah Miami? Miami. <laughs> yeah, you tell me in Miami the millionaires just hang out and don't do not do some sort of illicit activity. You're, tell, you're telling me they don't, they don't have a little something for them in the injury tent when somebody gets knocked out on the field and they send them back in the game. He just comes out doing backflips and shit. Just yeah, super hype. Yeah, whatever that is. Smelling salts. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, smelling salts are some legit yeah. smelling salts. So, yeah. wake you up. But no, we're talking about the inhaling salts, if you will. 
So to finish out the 2023 season pot of gold games for each week, if you weren't with us last week, and this is our opinion of the best games of each week for the 2023 season, we're going to pick back up at week seven. And I got the Florida at South Carolina game is one of the better games this week. And this was game was an absolute blowout last year, but this game was also essentially the turning point for both of these teams that finished in polar opposite ends of the spectrum of as far as what you would want, like Florida after this performance, you're like, all right, they're going to win out period. And South Carolina, you're like, Ooh, they might not make a bowl, but this was the ceiling and the floor. And they both just bounced off and went rapidly in the other direction. Um, and a big key factor for me in this game, South Carolina returns a lot of key players in skill positions on the lines of scrimmage, defensive backfield. They return a lot of their key players while Florida is going to play the season with presumably Graham Mertz at quarterback. And I did the math on it this week. Graham Mertz averaged 12.6 touchdowns per season in his three years as a starter. <laughs> mediocre like 1992 right right mediocre <laughs> quarterbacks are expected to finish with 15 to 20 like at worst for example I... anthony richardson had 15 last season hell i want to say that jt daniels had at least at least that in 21 and he only played in four games Oh, yeah. No, he did. Because he threw four in the, the Mississippi game, right? State game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that was, He might have had that many in the three games he played in the 2022 season. Yeah. <laughs> I just... That's crazy. And so, not not to sit on Graham Mertz too much, because, I mean, honest, I, we shit on him last week, too, and uh, kid's trying his best. Don't want to, don't want to harp on that too long, but Florida is also losing Ventrell Miller, which if you've listened to any mainstream SEC media, he was, he was prime Brian Erlacher in the middle of that defense when in reality he was not, but that's what they would lead you to believe. But not only are they losing their best inside linebacker, they're losing the other four of their top five tacklers on the defense. They're losing their top five defensive playmakers going into this season. And their next guy was a freshman last year. Number Their sixth tackler on defense was a freshman in 2022. Not to mention, this game is being played in Columbia the week before Florida's bye week. And with all the youth on this Florida team, there is no telling what mentality they are going to have thinking, oh, we have next week off. Like, oh, we beat the shit out of this team last year. We got next week off. This should be easy. And, I mean, that – I think it'll be good. That – yeah, that could be a trap game for either of those teams, honestly, because, I mean, like we talked about last week, you don't know what you're getting from South Carolina 
coming into the season. I mean, there's been, you know, offense corner cha- coordinator changes, you know, players transferring out and whatnot. Um, so you don't know what South Carolina team you're going to get. Like I, at this point that we're talking about, obviously they're going to have a little bit better idea, you know, week seven next, uh, you know, this coming season, but it could be a trap game for either, either, or it, it'll be interesting to see how either of them respond uh, to that. Because South yeah, Carolina has a bye week before that. If Florida's only lost one, maybe two games going into week seven and they're feeling good, they could be possibly looking ahead to Georgia. Mm-hmm. They're well, like, Georgia oh. be undefeated at that point, I would think. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood there. But, yeah, no, I, I mean, this, this game, it's just a mentality game. I, I mean, South Carolina, in all honesty, is probably going to be a more talented team, has a lot more continuity. But if either team comes into this with the wrong mentality, it could easily be a blowout in either direction. Mm-hmm. So next game I've got up is A&M at Tennessee. They're going to Knoxville for this one. And so my big interest in this game is because out of for all of AM's faults last season, you know what wasn't a problem on the 2022 Aggie team? Pass defense. They allowed the fewest yards passing per game in the entire country last season. Out of 131 teams, they were number one in passing defense. And with the accuracy problems we have seen at times from Joe Milton throughout his career, this could be a ground and pound, low scoring game because Tennessee's rush defense was good for most of the season. A&M's rush defense was pretty good for most of the season. This, this could be an old school three yards and a cloud of dust game, but Tennessee's pass defense was a, finished the 2022 season 127th in the country. So if A&M's sophomore quarterback that for whatever reason, I cannot remember this kid's name right now. I can't, I cannot remember it. But if he can put it together with Bobby Petrino's offense, since Jimbo's given up play calling duties, upset? Ah. Could be. I, I'm I'm still in wait and see mode with Tennessee, the whole new coaching staff. Like, have they had a phenomenal couple of years? Yes. They also have one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Were you with A and M? Are you thinking of Connor Wigman? Connor Wigman. I knew his name was weird because it's W E I. Yeah. Yes. And he showed that he could play football towards the end of the season last year. So mm-hmm. hopefully in a Bobby Petrino offense, he can he can do something. But uh yeah, no, I'm just I'm still not convinced with Tennessee's coaching staff. It's I I understand it's been two years. I understand they haven't lost more than what three games in each of the last two seasons. I get it a hundred percent. I am on the same page. I understand it. They've also not played defense for the past two seasons. Nope. And if there's a team that can match what they put up that day on offense, they're going to lose that game. Yeah, it will be it will be interesting to see because that's honestly that well, 
not to say that's the first game that A&M plays, but I mean, prior the the week before that, they're they're A&M's playing at home against Bama, so you know they could be beat up a little bit at that point too, uh, as well. Like honestly, the three game stretch before that is tough. I mean, you got Auburn, which again, who knows what that's going to look like? Arkansas, Alabama, and then they go at Tennessee. So it will that will be a good one. That's the reason why you picked it. Yeah, and. I'm not I'm not sure if the Bama hangover thing is still going to be in effect this year because it seems like every year their defense just takes a small step back. Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't know. I with Bama having a new defensive coordinator, their defense last year not being all that great throughout every game. I mean, they had their moments, but they weren't mm-hmm. consistently the Bama defense that we've come to expect. I mean, I'm kind of in wait and see mode on Bama too. I just have more faith in their in their coaching staff in general. Yeah, and they had a, a guy that uh, that DB get arrested um, not too long ago. The one that the one that's five ten that they listed at six one six two. Yeah, and if if you haven't seen that picture, his mugshot he is well below the six foot mark, but on Alabama's roster he is listed at six two. Yeah, shout out Jenny uh, for uh, sharing that as well. Um, and two different, uh, the uh, I think it was Rivals listed him at 6'2", and so did the Alabama, uh, actual Alabama website listed him at 6'2". But, um, <laughs> I mean, with every, but, with everything that's gone on over the last few months, it's safe to say criminal cases are built by Bama. Somewhat, somewhat related when we were talking about like you know the coordinators changing and all that. Did you see uh, Schumann got a million dollar raise? He deserves it. Yeah, one point nine million. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. No, when when the Eagles called Glenn Schumann, Kirby said, "Hey, big dog, you stay in the South, and I will give you literally a million dollars a year more." Hell, I mean, Bama might have reached out to him too. He's a, he's a Bama guy. He is. He's got a Bama oh, tattoo. Oh. Okay. You know what? I, 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 <laughs> He's got a Bama tattoo, but two rings from Georgia, so they can he can keep his tattoo. Yeah, I was saying I I have I have a Georgia tattoo, so I can't I guess it's a little bit different. Not really. <laughs> I have a Georgia tattoo. Most people just have never seen it. <laughs> I'm probably gonna get another one, but we'll see. We'll we'll see. I never know what tattoos I'm going to get because I have no problem getting a meme tattoo on me. I think too much about it. I've been, Jen, Jen promised, she said, oh, I'm, you know, you're going to get a tattoo for Valentine's Day. I still haven't made the appointment or done anything yet. It'll probably be Christmas by the time I get around to it. Oh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm planning like my next three. You know, whatever, it's just skin. I have more. Yeah, you just make more. Why not? Yeah. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So week eight, we are talking about Tennessee again. And this is Tennessee going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama this season. And off the top, I do not think that either of these teams are as talented as they were in 2022. Obviously, Tennessee losing um, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, um, Cedric Tillman, yeah. they're running back. Most of their defensive guys were starter. They're losing two offensive linemen. But I, I mean, with all that said, Alabama lost 
almost the same players in the same position. Obviously, the guys at Alabama were probably more talented. I think mm-hmm. Bryce Young's more talented than Hendon Hooker. I mean, I definitely think Jameer Gibbs is more talented than uh, than the running back that they had over in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. But they're losing guys at the same positions, which makes the question of this, who plays a better game between Joe Milton or whoever Bama starts, whether it's Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson? Which running back plays better between Jason McClellan or Jalen Wright? And to me, the biggest question about this game, when you're talking about matchups, top to bottom, inside out, left to right, whichever way you look at it, is can Tennessee improve that 127th ranked pass defense while maintaining run-stopping integrity in the front? Because if they can do both of those things simultaneously, they can make this a game. Mm. But when you factor in the environment, talking about in Tuscaloosa, in one of in one of these teams, both of their biggest rivalries, and considering they beat Bama at home last year and how much they struggled with the crowd noise in Sanford, with talent equal, I don't know if they can do it, but I think they can make it a game. You think Tennessee can make it a game? I think they can make it a game. I just, you know, obviously we're talking March 20th, spring practice just started. I just don't yeah. know. I just, I don't know. I'll, so if you go back to like the last like revenge game that Alabama had, so that was obviously in 2021, they lost against AM, right? Um, so the following year, you know, preseason, everyone's like, oh, you know, bet the mortgage on Alabama covering whatever the spread is, it's going to be a bloodbath. But then it ultimately ended up being a one score game and AM choked it away at the end twice. Um, and that was, you know, in Tuscaloosa. Um, it so I'm I'm hesitant to say that but know, that was be, without uh, Bryce Young and they started Jalen Milrow with yeah. little to no experience at the time and this mm-hmm. is gonna be week eight for whichever quarterback starts. Yeah, that's fair. But uh again, how much faith do you have in Milrow and like the or um, you know, who, whoever they would end up starting at that point? I'm it, you know, obviously it's Bama, they're gonna figure some shit out and all that, but it should be a close game. Like, I don't think it's going to be like a bloodbath, like how some people would think about, you know, Alabama revenge games and things like that. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it will be a close game again. Maybe I don't, I can't see it being as exciting as last year's game or this past season's game, but I don't know if it, I don't know if it could possibly be as exciting as last year's game. Yeah. That was one of the most fun non UGA related, you know, games last season for sure. Yeah, I just – I think ah, – man, I'm just – I'm really questioning how they're going to do in some crowd noise. And you know the Bama fans that have been fans all their life since 2010 have uh, – you know they're going to be there. You know they're going to be loud. Yeah. And you know how it is when tickets to games get expensive, Tennessee fans don't show up. Yeah. You know, you can only get a second mortgage on the single wide so many times. <laughs> You know, um, one because I mean that's really the only like really like game that stands out that week. Um, it, I think it is worth noting. We obviously don't have to talk about it like a ton, but uh, Auburn's going to Ole Miss, so like, so that could be could be something in them 
in week eight, that we're not talking about, you know, what what network some of these games are going to be on, but I think that would be like a good candidate for like the CBS doubleheader game um, with, you know, Alabama and Tennessee being the nightcap and Auburn, Ole Miss being that 330 game. My thing about that game is I have infinitely more faith in Spencer Sanders than anyone wearing an Auburn uniform. No, it's just strictly storyline. Auburn's going to be shit next year. I mean, they'll, I think they'll be a, a little bit better, but, you know, a little bit better than shit still pretty bad. <laughs> so moving into week nine, and you got to go to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party on this one. It's always an interesting game. And so this is really the first time we've had, we've really talked about the potential questions on, uh, on Georgia's team. And I think it's going to be a big question or a big point of emphasis in our show, potentially early in the season is how does Georgia's offensive youth perform? And then going into this game, it's going to be the biggest rivalry game on the calendar you have a lot of new guys, not necessarily young guys, but you have a lot of guys that are going to be starting for the first time, whether it be in college or in a Georgia uniform this season. Um, and it, and that, with that being said, I still do have almost nothing but questions about Florida coming into the 2023 season. Who's going to be their quarterback? Is their offensive line any good? Is their defense period any good? What are their receivers looking like outside of uh, Ricky Pearsall? Like, I, a ton of questions. Um, but I, a lot of those can still be said about Georgia's offense. I mean, with a massive exception being proven skill talent, whether that's at Georgia or at another school, and experienced O-line play. But mm-hmm. – what what scheme is Georgia's offense going to run this season? I mean, hell, who is the starting quarterback going to be? We're a few days into spring practice, and everything that's come out is that first-team reps are 50-50. That's all we've heard so far. Um, and this upcoming week is going to be the first, like, scrimmage of, of, uh, of spring, so we will – get to uh, maybe have a few more answers to our questions after that. But, I mean, whatever whatever the line is for this game, I'm still taking Georgia. Yeah, And that's, yeah. that is entirely because what is this Florida offense going to do with Graham Mertz or whatever quarterback they bring in post-spring – what are they going to do against this Georgia defense that is not losing near as much as they did last season? And you're going to have a healthy, experienced Javon Bullard going against Ricky Pearsall. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he ends the game with two catches. Or I even just... finishes the game, period. <laughs> Shout out Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. right there. <laughs> um, I will yeah. I will say, like, if uh, anyone that's being optimistic about Florida – do they really think that Graham Mertz is a better quarterback than Anthony Richardson for as much shit as we give Anthony Richardson and, and all that he was, I don't want to say infinitely better, but he was better than Graham Mertz. And 
Is Graham Mertz better than Emory Jones? That's now that's a question. Is that, does Emory still have another year of eligibility out there at uh, Arizona Ooh. State? Maybe that'd be something good that to look into. Good. I can pull that up all you're talking. But about. I mean, Graham Mertz sh- has given us no reason to believe that can he can compete against Big Ten talent, let alone SEC talent, because we saw what the best. The big, the best quarterback the Big Ten had to offer last season. We saw what he was able to do down the stretch against the best defense in the SEC, which uh, forty-one points still not enough. But do you think Graham Mertz is going to be better than that? Do you think Florida's skill talent is good enough to improve Graham Mertz to better than what C.J. Stroud had last season? I, you're you're looking. No. You got to look. Yeah. Uh, so, I was I was looking at this. Do you, you know where Emory Jones is at this coming year? I'm guessing it's not Arizona State. It's not Arizona State. It is Cincinnati. He's going to the Big Twelve. Emory Jones to Cincinnati. His sixth year of eligibility and, and probably final will be with uh, the Bearcats and eating that diarrhea chili up there. The le- the worst Bearcats, because we talked about it. Yeah. You, <laughs> Southern Utah has the better Bearcats. Or, no, it was Sam Houston. No, Texas, uh, no uh, Sam Houston. Sam Houston. Bearcats. <laughs> the Bearcucks. Oh, <laughs> that will be next. That Uh-oh. that's not getting edited out. That's going in. It's going in. <laughs> you officially hate my FCS team. I got it. It's cool. Uh, I'd have to look into them more. That's just slip of the tongue. <laughs> Probably not. No. Oh, is Emory Jones the first quarterback? No because Keaton Slovis is going to do it too. But is this the first year that we're going to have a quarterback starting in their third Power 5 conference? It's got to be because, I mean, yeah, because Cincinnati has joined the Big 12 this year. He, you know, so I know this is a huge tangent. He he only threw for 1,500 yards last season, seven touchdowns, four picks. But he did complete 62% of his passes. So How many games did he play in? He played in six. So he, he, he got hurt in his sixth game and didn't come back. Okay, but I mean, Keaton Slovis, he's going to BYU, which is in the Big 12 next year. Yep. How, so, geez, how many teams are in the Big 12 next year? Good Lord. They finally 16. got to 12 or more. It took them a while to live up to their name. <laughs> Again, big-time college athletics, the numbers in the conference do not matter, obviously. The Big 10 hasn't had 10 teams in 30 years. Because they had a Penn State, and that was the 11th team, and they, and they had that for a long time. And they get the powerhouses of Rutgers and Maryland, you know? Who could forget? You got <laughs> Everybody was fighting over Maryland and uh, Rutgers. Everybody. I mean, Scarlet Knights and Terrapins, those are some very daunting, uh, daunting teams, you know? Maryland Nothing still does have some of the best uniforms in college football, and you can fight me on that if you'd like to. No, but um, how much no. the entire state leans into that flag being as unique as it is, I appreciate it. They love that. I've never loved anything as much as Maryland 
people love their flag, their state flag. Or people that have just visited Maryland and found a crab sticker with the flag on it. Mm -hmm. Like if you spend five minutes in Maryland and do not have that sticker on your Kia Soul, I'm disappointed in you. Even the Baltimore Ravens logo has like aspects of the of their state flag. So, meanwhile, you could ask sixth graders, probably high schoolers in the state of Georgia, what the flag looks, looks like, and they're like. No, you know what? (laughs) So every year when I teach uh, Georgia studies for eighth eighth graders, right? Eighth graders. Like the very first thing we talk about is state geography. And we always come up, I have this assignment where they make their state flag. They make a state flag and nobody's creative, right? They just go on Google. They're like, oh, I'm just going to write down the Georgia flag. 60, 70% of them do this, the country of Georgia flag, not the state of Georgia flag, not any ass, not any iteration of the state flag, but the fucking Eastern European, country, Eastern European Georgia. And I'll say, yeah, it looks good, but that's not the Georgia we're talking about or you're trying to uh, <laughs> copy, but okay, you do you, boo. Moment of silence for the future of this country. Looking at my test scores last year. <laughs> I tried to talk my ass off and I still couldn't get them to get the what the fucking flag looked like. And that's the easiest thing. <sighs> All right, guys, we might be doing this podcast from like Thailand coming soon because because uh, <laughs> I am quickly losing faith. <laughs> oh boy. Where the hell All are right. we at? <laughs> Week 10. Okay. All right. All right, week 10. First game I've got is Kentucky at Mississippi State as I pour myself some more Kentucky rye. Love that little uh, little shitty segue that I then butchered talking about. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> um, so this year's annual crossover game has the most unknown since 2020 – and what I mean by that is, what does Mississippi State's offense look like now? Rip in peace, Mike Leach. How does Kentucky's offensive line improve? Does Mississippi State's defense take a step back without Zach Arnett calling the plays? What does Devin Leary look like in the SEC? I mean, we have a lot of unknowns in this for the first time since 2020 because that was when Mike Leach took over. That was when... Will or that was right before Will Levis came in to uh, Kentucky, but like there was this. This is what each team is going into this game in 2020, and now it's almost an entirely new look for both of these teams. Which is uh, it's kind of odd that you get a rivalry game with entirely new looks this mm-hmm. frequently. But I'm so not only that. But this is a game where the more complete team has lost more often than they have won recently. Mississippi State was a better team last year, lost in Lexington. Before that, Kentucky was the better team, lost in Starkville. So to to expand on the weirdness of this series, it is currently tied at 25-25 all these teams have traded wins since 2016 with the home team winning every single game since that year. 
And I mean, almost equal in points for what has been scored. I mean, one year a team will, one of these teams will blow them out like 41 7. And the next year it'll be like 48 14. So they just traded even back to back years. Uh, I mean, this is one of those just weird rivalries that doesn't seem to get talked about very much, but has produced a lot of good games and interesting results over the last six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you look at both programs. I mean, they're like the definition of mid as far as, <laughs> as you know, football programs. I mean, this is the mid bowl, obviously, but the game itself is usually good, like you said, but this is, this is the mid bowl. Uh, so it will be it the will be an overhyped and underachieving bowl. Yeah. So right at mid, overhyped, yeah. underachieving. I mean, you cannot be any more mid than Kentucky football, unless you're Mississippi State football in the last ten years. Hey, they were ranked number one in the very first playoff bowl. Hang the banner, hang or fly the flag. Ring the bell, ring the bells. I should say. <laughs> That, yeah, there we go. I can't believe I forgot. I didn't think of that shit. Swing your sword. Uh, damn. Yeah. But shout out Mike Leach because he brought Mississippi State back to something we talk about every week. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully they can keep that keep it going. I, I'm 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 pulling from Mississippi State is always a team that I've I've always kept an eye on even. Even when I didn't live uh, live in the South, like I've always been intrigued by the the Maroon Bulldogs. So, and I mean, it's just one of those teams that just lives lives in the outskirts of the mainstream college football world because they, I mean, every year there's one of those plays by Mississippi State that's like, holy shit, how is this team not in the national national? conversation and then there's another play where you're like that's why they're not in the national conversation Mm -hmm. um no i mean i talked about him last year quite a bit i i love will rogers i think he can do well in uh in barbe's offense i just what is that transition period going to look like between air raid and what they're doing now and i'm i'm really interested in that i mean they have tight ends on their roster for the first time since mike leach took over Mm-hmm. As wild as of a concept as that is to talk about, right? Hmm. Yeah, it would be interesting for sure. All right, so the other game we're going to talk about in Week Eleven is, um, you know, what I know I said last week, no more Vandy positivity. I I remember it. I wrote it down. I said it out loud. But I talked about it earlier. I'm trying to become an optimism junkie. Like put that shit in my veins. I want nothing but nothing but silver linings and all you that good stuff. Base, you want a free base, happy faces. I, yeah, absolutely. Like I, no bad vibes. None. No, all positivity. No, unless we're talking about Florida or Tennessee. Yep. Anchor that bitch down. <laughs> but this is Auburn at Vandy, and um, I really think Vandy has a potential to win this game. And I know that sounds crazy. I mean, we are we are about to be what six years removed from Auburn playing in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are 13 years removed from an Auburn national championship 
we're only 10 years removed from Auburn playing for a national championship. But now we're talking about Auburn at Vandy being a losable game. And I mean, I, I just don't believe in what the War Plains Tigers are bringing back in terms of skill, position, talent, with the singular exception being running back, because I do believe in Jarquez Hunter. Mm-hmm. But I don't trust their quarterback room. I don't trust their wide receivers. I don't trust their offensive line. I don't trust anything about their defense. They were 79th in the country in total defense last year. And they played a couple of scrubs. And they have a defensive-minded head coach, too. Well, last year they had uh, Brian Harson, who was packing his bags in February and just lived out of boxes until he got fired. And then, I mean, now you got Hugh Freeze. And maybe hell freeze over with him going to Auburn. I, I truly don't know. But Auburn's singular potential saving grace for this game. Vandy was lower in total defense, coming in at 123rd in the country. And I may be one of the people that is the highest on the Vanderbilt Commodores coming into the 2023 season. I think six wins is almost almost going to be easy for them, considering their schedule. Mm-hmm. But man, do I really think they've got a good got a good shot at beating Auburn in Nashville on November fourth? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I think this is this is going to be their sixth win of the of the year. Like this is their best chance at it because they have South Carolina and then uh, Tennessee after that. So if they're going to get the six wins, this is probably going to be the game they need to get it at. Again, not not knowing what South Carolina is going to be in you know the middle of March, but this could be it. This could be when they win six. They are playing for bowl eligibility at this point. So, you know, point for those commies. On a on a scale of one to ten, what what number would you give Vanderbilt to be at or above five hundred going into week eleven? Every week. They start with Hawaii. They've got a few scrubs. I mean, if we're saying that they're going to be five and what this would be, this would be five and five going into week or yeah, five and five going into week eleven. Well, this would be or week ten. Their tenth game Um, because they so they would be five. They would be five and four going into this. Sorry, guys, I'm not. I'm not a mathologist. (laughs) I I'm. I'm really confident. I shit. I'd probably say it's seven and a half. Honestly, like I, I really, I think they can do it. I mean, like you said, their their non-con is non-existent except for that Wake Forest game. We talked about this before last week, but I mean, outside of a that, a Sam like, Hartmanless mm-hmm. Wake Forest mm-hmm. when their defense is known to be virtually non-existent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, I, I, I'm very confident in uh, Vandy to not finish last in the East, and the final year of the East being a thing more than likely. Ooh, so if you say if you're giving me that hot take in March, who finishes last in the East? Oh, it's Missouri. 
I have zero faith. <laughs> I have zero faith in Missouri whatsoever. Like they, they're and they're in the worst purgatory of anybody. Like we'll, um, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that like later. But like giving, another place I've talked about this too with, uh, drink like getting an extension to him basically. Uh, he got an being, extension when we were talking about him potentially getting fired. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, schools will do that to, you know, take them off the hot seat and try to save a recruiting class or whatnot, I get. And, but, you know, with that usually comes like, oh, the, the buyout will be less. But his buyout, I think, is too rich for Missouri's taste because even though they're in the SEC, they don't have that SEC money. Uh, so, yeah, Missouri is just in purgatory. They I don't know what the fuck they see in, in drink, but <laughs> they see some. What week into the season does Luther Burden regret not following Dominic Lovett to Georgia? Right. Shoot. Three. <laughs> it might. It might be. It might be week two again after uh, they lose to Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> oh, if they lose to Middle Tennessee State and Luther Burden has two touches, I would be willing to bet he reaches out to Dominic Lovett and says. Hey, y'all got a roster spot for me next season? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and obviously it has nothing to do with their SEC schedule, but they got Kansas State at home, and then they play a neutral side game in St. Louis against Memphis, which, again, you don't know what that's going to look like. But um, they their out-of-conference schedule is not – is I mean, <laughs> they can win South Dakota. They, they Well, it should be South Dakota. South Wait, Dakota's pulled is up it the Jackrabbits? Um – I can't tell by my helmet's kind of that's South Dakota State, isn't it? Or is, are they a suit? No. No, South Dakota State's the bison. If it's the jackrabbits, they're losing no, the North game. Dakota, North Dakota State's the bison, aren't they? Let me pull it up here. It is oh, that is South Dakota State. All right. If it was South Dakota State, they were gonna lose that game. Oh, definitely, because they've beaten – I think I want to say they've beaten Minnesota once or twice in the last – Like, there's a reason that FBS teams don't play North Dakota State and South Dakota State because mm-hmm. they would lose. Yeah. I mean, they both play, like, pretty routinely for the, you know, Division Two or, uh, you know, F- FCS uh, championship. Yeah. No, I – Man, I've never been this high on Vanderbilt football. I I don't know how to feel about it. Well, I think we lost you again for a second. I'll go ahead and move on to week 11. And from week 11 on, we're really going to be talking about a lot of the same teams, so we're not going to rehash everything. Um, but we got Mississippi State at Texas A&M. And one of the things that I am really intrigued about is if both of these teams live up to 80% of their potential this could easily be a top 15 matchup if both of these teams live up to what they could possibly be. Um, I I really expect a good game. Mississippi State going to A&M. And, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, I really, really, I want both of these teams to be good. I want the West to be really competitive. But if either of these teams – well, I should say if both of these teams – kind of live up to their potential. I, this could be a ranked matchup, and if they both live up to most of their potential, I think it'll be a top 15. It should be. I And it's at, at A&M. Yep. That's, I mean, 
Kyle, uh, Kyle Fields, no, no joke, unless you're Appalachian State or Appalachian State. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, again, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how Mississippi State adapts to life without Mike Legion. I know you already talked about this at length, so I won't I harp on it by any means. But, um, yeah, I don't really have too, too much to add to uh, to that one. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the Battle of the Maroons is always uh, always yeah. interesting and confusing yeah. because their color schemes are pretty much identical. I hate you know just another small tangent. Like every pretty pretty much every school that I've worked at has been had maroon as like a main color, and I I fucking hate it. I hate it. All all my work clothes are like are like school related stuff is always maroon. I cannot stand it. Hate it. You don't you don't like the look of crusted up dried blood. <laughs> you know what i mean it makes it easier to you know, camouflage all the shit you know at the, at the end of each year so that works out <laughs> all the splatter all that that works you know i didn't even think about that that's smart yeah i mean that's probably why they do it especially in the area you teach in you know one of the kids shoots somebody on the way to school you can't even tell it just blends right it's in it's part of the uniform <laughs> Yeah, everywhere but like these two or three splatters faded. It's no big deal. Yeah, no worries. Get a class. All right, so we're going to move on to week 12 here. And this is what should be the Deep South's oldest rivalry. But we are talking about Georgia playing in Knoxville at the home of the Tennessee Volunteers. And this is going to be good because Tennessee is going to think they've got something to prove after last season, especially the fans and that crowd. I just, I've got a lot more questions about everything on Tennessee's team than I do Georgia's team, but I still think it'll be interesting. I still think there is a very good chance for this to be a college game day atmosphere um, because most of the SEC is playing a cupcake this week. Yeah. So I I mean this this has the potential to be a uh, a very very interesting game, but Georgia hasn't played a close game in Knoxville in twenty fifteen. Yeah, I was gonna say the year Nick Chubb got hurt, right? Yep. They call it Neyland Stadium for a reason. Yeah, you want to talk about shitty turf or sh- shitty field conditions? It's them and uh, <laughs> them Detroit. Uh, what uh, FedEx Field where the, uh, where the NFL commies play? Oh, you can't you can't forget where they played the Super Bowl. Yeah, that that was spe- <laughs> specially brought in shitty turf. Oklahoma State was so proud of it for about three plays. <laughs> We designed this turf. Three plays later, a dude in the open field just slips and falls. They're like, oh, oh. Don't touch the paint. That's where it's slippery. That should never be something that's said on a, on a, on a field. No. For the biggest game of the year, I, we won't talk about it too much, but that was an embarrassment of a field. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, – you know, we're going to talk about this week 12 Georgia at Tennessee game quite a bit throughout the season and especially the week leading up to it. So we won't harp on it too much here. 
So we'll go ahead and move into rivalry week. And I've got two games picked out. First one is Clemson at South Carolina, because we all saw what South Carolina did to Clemson last season. Mm -hmm. When Clemson was a better team last year than they are going to be this year. And I think South Carolina is going to be better this year than they were last year. And it is in Columbia. So mm-hmm. I am uh, I am very intrigued by this matchup. And Clemson's obviously going to look overinflated going into every game because they play in the ACC and their non-conference schedule is essentially nothing every year. And then, so what, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on that game? I, I think, you know, you said Clemson might be worse. I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year. I mean, you know, I mean, you got to be better uh, losing DJU. And I'm not going to try to say his name because it's too late at this point. They lost, they lost so much on their defense. Yeah. But, gosh, I mean, it, it, might be, it might be a similar thing to what we saw last year where the defense took a slight step back, you know, with Georgia, but the offense, you know, kicked it up a notch to so where they were okay. But the, uh, the addition of, what, what was it, Garrett Riley uh, as offensive coordinator, like them actually bringing somebody else in um, outside of the, you know, outside of the, uh, the Dabo tree there might help them a little bit more than I think, you know, we're giving them credit for. But like, but like you said, South Carolina is going to be better as well. Like we, you know, uh, we both think. So I think, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think Carolina can get a win streak going against uh, against Clemson. I didn't even, I just to be completely honest. I didn't remember Garrett Riley went to uh, went to Clemson. So that, I mean, that definitely adds a very interesting wrinkle. If anything, I think these teams are going to be a lot closer this year in terms of Mm -hmm. talent, skill level, execution. Um, But it's in Columbia. And Williams Bryce can be very loud when they think they've got a shot. I wonder – that's usually a noon game because obviously that's not going to be – that's not going to be a night game or anything like that. They usually play that at the same time as like Georgia, Georgia Tech, Michigan, Ohio State, and so on. But if right? South Carolina happens to be ranked, especially mm-hmm. in the top 20, top 15 at the time, and you've got Clemson, who is inevitably going to be top 10 at worst, mm-hmm. I mean, I could see it at night. I hope it's at night. Especially the revenge factor that you're talking about for Clemson after South Carolina fans rushed their field last year. Like I I think it has the potential to be a night game, and God do I hope it is. So that way I don't have to flip channels between this and the Georgia Georgia Tech game. And um last game we're gonna talk about for this is the egg bowl. And if you don't know what we're talking about, that is Mississippi State Ole Miss. And I believe it is in Oxford this year. I'll have to uh, have to double check that real quick. Oh, it is in Starkville this season. So we've got Ole Miss coming in with, I'm just going to go ahead and announce Spencer Sanders as a starter. Returning a lot of skill talent. Mississippi State with their brand with their new look offense, similar look defense, playing in Starkville with the cowbells 
after that game last year that came down to the wire stuff was thrown on the field. It was a wild, wild game as it always is in the egg bowl. I'm not going to pick a winner. I'm just going to, you know, say like we did last year, plan on watching this game on Thanksgiving because it is going to be a good one. All right. So Egg Bowl, low-key or high-key, like my favorite non-Georgia-Michigan rivalry. And obviously they're going to keep this going when, uh, like, the divisions realign and all that. And, I mean, I look forward to this game so much. I hope that when, like, the new, like, the 2024 schedule comes out, they they keep it on, uh, like, Thanksgiving night. Yes. Um, Because I know, like, Texas and Texas A&M – Like, I would rather that be, like, Black Friday. Did they play that on Thanksgiving before? That's a great, great question. Let me keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Because if they did, they need to keep those two separated. Because, like, and I may have mentioned this one of the, you know, early on times that I was on here. Um, But, like, these these lower, I don't want to call the Egg Bowl a lower tier game. Because, like I said, I look forward to this game almost more than, well, I definitely, I actually look forward to it more than Georgia, Georgia Tech at this point. But uh, this needs to have as many eyes on it as possible with all the crazy shit that happens, regardless of you know who's coaching and you know the what's at stake and all that. Um, I mean, it's always it's always can't miss. And again, with and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how Arnett you know adapts uh, to this. Is it was always interesting with with uh, Leach and uh, Kiffin going back and forth with each other. And, and uh, kind of just seeing how you know their relationship was, so it should be it should be uh, it should be an interesting one to say the least. They they're probably Miss State is probably going to be playing for bowl eligibility. I would think uh, just just kind of eyeballing it at this point, uh, and maybe even Ole Miss for that matter. Um, but it's still going to be a can't miss uh, can't miss matchup. Like besides for the uh, the Iron Bowl, this is my favorite. Uh, this is the best I should say the best of. Uh, uh, rivalry game, I think, um, that for that last rivalry, rivalry week uh, you know, matchup. So A&M in Texas was on Thanksgiving, and I mm-hmm. I agree with you. I hope they move it to Black Friday. We need – and that I wanted – I've been saying for a bit, I wanted Georgia to play I – mean, even, like, not on that Saturday. If they could play Black Friday, like, afternoon or something like that, that would be cool because I <laughs> – Sorry, because I always end up going back and forth between the two of them, between you know Michigan and Ohio State and Georgia and Georgia Tech. And like, you know, I, I most of the time I end up watching the Michigan game more so just because it's usually out of hand, at least the last few years it has been. Or I have a better option. I think I like this one better. Georgia Tech, get better at football. There we go. Or just or, get the fuck out. Or stop playing the game. When your rivalry game decreases your strength of schedule mm-hmm. and the other team is not even close to worth a, a, a like an atom of shit, mm-hmm. stop stop playing the game. Like some, some old wanna... school purist might be like, oh, but it's clean old fashioned hate. No, it, you can't hate a team that's dog shit. No. You don't you don't get up for that team that you beat over and over and over again. Like not yeah not like at all. The, I 
For years now, Georgia could have started their second string and won that game by multiple scores. Mm-hmm. Like I just like, starters on the bench, not even dressed out, could have won this game by multiple scores over the last mm-hmm. what since 2017? Yeah, because they lost in 2016. Yeah, because yeah, that, that was that whole thing. I would like to see if we're gonna. I see the import the importance of playing like an in-state team. Um. Fuck it. Like, why don't we, you know, branch out that last week? We, you know, make that always make that a home game. You play Kennesaw State. They're going to FBS in a few years or next year. I can't remember what. Georgia Southern be cool. Georgia State, like, mix it up a little bit. Don't it doesn't always have to be Georgia Tech. Like, I nobody gives a shit. Hell, play Savannah State. Like, give Hell them yeah. some primetime clout. Like, they might put up a better fight than Georgia Tech has recently. Mm-hmm. Hell, they could God, they, they could just say, "Hey, pick twenty-two fans out of the stadium and have them suit up," and we might put on a better fight than Georgia Tech has recently. Showing heart, yeah, it's, Jesus, like Savannah State's bad, even as a even as a lower <laughs> lower level team. Like that would be more intriguing than Georgia Tech at this point. Just something different, even if that includes Tech getting good. Mm-hmm. Like we talk, we've talked about this so much, but if tech's not going to be good, why bring down the strength of schedule and bring up their program? And they're always going to be fucking cash poor. Like they're like in what until uh, what 2036, they're stuck in that shitty ACC uh, network deal with ESPN. They're not going to be able to, they can't afford anything. They, you know, they did a search when they fired a a G off there. And they just settled on, uh, you know, who they hired there in the interim. I can't even remember his name at this point. Uh, uh, Brent Key. Yeah, there we go. I mean, he, granted, he did well, you know, as an interim coach, but <laughs> some somewhere their location, all that, they should be a better team. Like your downtown Atlanta, the stadium looks fucking cool. Um, it's a very historic, historic program. Yeah, like it's one and of I the want very first college football. Yeah. What? The guy the Heisman is named after was one of their coaches. Yeah. I want to go to a game there. Like, before, hopefully they inevitably end this rivalry. Like, I do want to go to a game there, a Georgia game there. Because, obviously, it's like 90-10 Georgia fans to Tech fans um, that last last Saturday when they had the game in Atlanta. But, yeah, just kill it. Just just get this over with. In the suffering. For everybody. It's not fun Everybody. to beat their ass as much as, as bad as we've been beating their ass. They obviously don't enjoy that shit either. I mean, I I don't know. It's it does nothing. No, it, it no, it does something. It does terrible things. <laughs> like it's the one Georgia game where I really I I check in on it a little bit, but like I don't pay that close attention to it because there's so many other better games on. That have yeah. ram- actual ramifications and meaning. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. I just... And for... To be completely clear, I want Georgia Tech to be better. Yeah. Like, I remember in the mid-2010s when Georgia Tech was, like, ranked every year and it was a game you're like, oh, shit, what's, what's going to happen? How's this going to go? And then now it's just like, 
oh, is it going to be a 40-point win or a 50-point win? With Like, oh, is Georgia Tech going to score this year? It was so easy to hate Paul Johnson. Like, I mean, yes, there was that. Like, I – and I might have mentioned this before. I was actually – I went to Paul Johnson's last game. Like, just for free. It was free. It was uh, the – it wasn't called the Motor City Bowl anymore. It was, like, the Quick Lane Bowl in, like, Detroit. It was at Ford Field. They were playing Minnesota. They got their ass handed to them by uh, – by gophers rowing the boat and all that shit. Um, but there was some Georgia, Georgia tech alumni sitting in front of me and I had all my UGA shit on uh, behind him. And I just was talking so much shit the entire time. Like just being like sarcastically cheering for him. Like, Oh, good. You know, good try guys. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like they're having fun out there (laughs) and Lincoln's talking shit to him and everything. And like, they gave me like the most eat shit look and like, and they weren't going to, they weren't going to fight or anything like, like that. There was no, no, no fucking way. There no, I mean, they're like, no, you're right. This shit is pathetic. But they and they're just, like, oh, uh, we're we're gonna get our Tesla to drive us back to our room at the Four Seasons and then fly our private jet back yeah. to our engineering jobs. Yeah, it's like good for you. <laughs> I at least get to enjoy home. wins. Right. I mean, they can they can enjoy the other ninety percent of their life. Let's <laughs> let me get Saturdays and shit. Right. <laughs> God. But uh, get better. I think I think it's gonna do it for us tonight here, guys. Um, as always, Instagram nothing.finer.pod, Twitter at finerpod, Facebook and YouTube. Just look us up there. Make sure it's got our logo on it. Um, oh, I I've been neglecting to say this, but if you are interested in donating to that four by four by forty eight that I did, I am closing that on March thirty first trying to get as much as I can for these local veterans in Savannah that need help. So that is, um, that is in the highlights on our Instagram, or you can find it through the Facebook page. But as always, remember, there is nothing finer in the land. Then a drunk obnoxious Georgia third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw lobs it to the right corner there's McConkey. he got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner touchdown